Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and uh, this is going to be episode 159 of The Informed Catholic. So before we begin, please subscribe and share to this podcast. Uh, it would let Anchor, Spotify, those are the ones I do my podcast through, and it would let all the other podcast platforms like Google, Apple Podcasts know that you like this uh, podcast channel. And uh, they will distribute it even more. Before we begin, again, let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, guardian of the church and terror of demons, pray for us. And St. Thomas More, pray for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. And St. Augustine, pray for us. And St. Padre Pio, who we just, whose feast day we just celebrated, pray for us. And St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Many of you probably wonder, uh, why do I pick those saints? Well, Thomas More, uh, you've heard probably heard me talk about. I try to do uh, do a um, series on his meditations on the sadness of Christ. Uh, I don't think it was successfully well done. Um, I probably didn't plan it out great in a, in a good way. I'll try it again in the future, hopefully. Uh, he, you know, he was a family man. He wasn't a priest. He was a a layman which is what I like about him. And he served in public in public office during the time of Henry VIII. And he, um, he was uh, a lawyer. He, was, he served in the government. And I think he's important for someone uh, for today, for, some, for people like us, because it shows that you can be a Catholic, a practicing Catholic, just like Amy Coney Barrett. She fits that mold perfectly. And there are others who are Catholic who fit that mold perfectly because, you know, he was a lawyer. He was a judge. He served as the judge during the time of Henry VIII. And I think, you know, he's perfect role model for us. Uh, you know, someone who believed in, in the law, believed, uh, you know, for him, uh, it was probably the Mag Magna Carta. That was important. Um, you know, that was a con that was like their constitution. And, you know, that was also violated by Henry VIII. And then he lived during the time of uh, great change. The Protestant Ref Reformation was just, or revolution was taking place. Also, um, Thomas Aquinas, why him? Well, Thomas Aquinas was the thinking man's Catholic. He had to, you know, he came up with reasons why we believe and he came up with philosophical and theological reasons, something that we need to study. We need to study Thomas Aquinas. Things are so bad in the Catholic Church today because a lot of Catholics are using subjective interpretation of their faith which is wrong, which is secular, modernist, relativist, humanist thinking. There's a reason why we believe what we believe as Catholics. You cannot turn your faith to a personal interpretation. We are a Catholic church. We are global. We are universal. We're all over the world. Because it is the church that Christ did establish. And there is a reason why we believe what we believe. Okay, the faith is the same. North, east, west, on all four corners of the planet. And we have, we have a theology. We have saints. We have teachers. They have all, you know, been laying the foundation. Cementing the faith. 
okay, so that the platform that we stand on is not shaky. But unfortunately, this Vatican II church has changed that. Uh, another one is uh, St. Augustine. Well, St. Augustine was also the thinking man Catholic. A man like him who existed right at the edge of the end of the Roman Empire, who was the the last bridge between pagan and, 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 and convert. The pagan who was well aware that there's only one God. He wasn't really a pagan, but he was the last bridge of that that sensual man, that man that had to finally admit that he had to come to God. That man he lived with, he lived in the flesh. He was philosophical. He was very intellectual. Uh, he understood the Roman, the pagan Roman world very well, and he under, and he understood the existence of God. The man who finally had to surrender to the existence of God. You know, this is these are the people we need. And Padre Pio, the the man of miracles of the of of the nineteen hundreds, the man who had the stigmata, the miracle man, the man who proved, you know, who showed us in the twentieth and in the early in the twentieth century, midst in the middle of the twentieth century, that miracles are, po- are possible, that it's not impossible, that God that God can perform impossible things that can defy reason, the reason of, of the 20th century man. I'm going to do a podcast on him. There's so much about him. Unbelievable. It's fantastic. All right. So what is our article today? I'm going to pick a very touchy one. I was going to try to do one on Bill Maher because he attacked Amy Coney Barrett in a very vile way. Because she's a, a Catholic, because she's a uh, a mother of seven. Actually, she's a mother of five, but she adopted two kids. So she, yes, she is a mother of seven. Um, called her an effing nut. Even made fun of her name, her middle name, her uh, her. Uh, he went from Coney to Comey. He's just a you know he, he he's a vile person. Uh, my only message to you guys is this. All right, don't don't sign petitions. You want to complain, write directly to HBO. Write directly to Bill Maher's show. Complain, flood the show with complaints with him because he had no right to do that. Okay, she has a long career. She has degrees, degrees. She studied the law. She studied the Constitution. She taught at different colleges. She studied the Constitution. He doesn't have a resume like that. I don't have a resume like that. She's a very intelligent person, and she's a mother. She's still an active mother. And he goes ahead and has to mock her, and he makes a comment about condoms, and he throws in Stormy Daniels, this whole thing. I mean, guy, you know, he's a vile person. He's a sensual person. People like him hate themselves. All right. Did you see the 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 the, the videos of these embarrassing women? As soon as Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, they were screaming obscenities in a most unbelievable way. I mean, the lung power they put in, one of them even goes so far to say, I wish I was aborted, referring to herself. There's something psychologically wrong with these people. Unbelievable. And, you know, this is there's something psychological about them. For someone to embarrass themselves, to put their videos like that of themselves out there in front of the whole world... To react that way is something wrong. Anyway, the article I have here is from Church Militant, and it's by Joseph Enders. It's September 25th, 2020. Roe versus Wade revisited. All right. How America got here. So let's check this out. 
Anyway, I'm very serious when I say that we should uh, complain to HBO because not petitions, just you can send emails or you can cancel HBO. If you have HBO, some of you can cancel because look what happened to Netflix. Netflix put out that cuties things about the little girls that were dancing in a very perversive, uh, sexualized way. And they watched their uh, their their uh, receipts drop. I mean, you know, the the their accounts, the the money just stopped coming in, and that shows you the power. The power is in money. And if you complain, complaining uh, in a directly to them, not signing petitions because they can just look at the petitions, as Michael Voris said. And they can just throw it in the trash can. What does it matter to them? But everything for them, their language is the pocketbook, their bank account. That is where it hurts. So don't you know, don't go into this whole petition thing. Bill Maher needs to know. And not only that, but even people like Diane Feinstein flood their office with phone calls. Tell your friends tell your uh, your your parish members everybody flood their office with phone calls that will scare them contact uh catholics in their own state you know that's why we need to develop a network as catholics to communicate with each other all right this is this is how you change the world learn you know, we need to learn to be smart. This is, this is what how Doctor uh, what do you call it? James Martin? James Martin knew when he when he didn't like what um, uh, Father uh, Altman you know did, he went you know he told people to call up his uh, his bishop. Well, as Catholics, we can you know we can do the same thing, but you know we can um, scare these politicians. All right, let's go with the article. Okay, Roe versus Wade. This is by Joseph Enders, September 25th, 2020. How America Got Here, Revisiting Roe versus Wade. Roe versus Wade stained the moral character of the nation by giving us national abortion on demand. Often neglected in, in the analysis of abortion ju jurisprudence is the long road that got, that got us to Roe. Indeed, a series of bad court decisions fundamentally changed the way we interpret the Constitution, birthing this strange new era of judicial activism, an era that has yielded judicial super legislation for which no one in the United States voted. A major turning point came with the legislation of birth control for married couples in Griswold versus. Connecticut in 1965, which established the right to privacy or a right that cannot be found anywhere in the in the black letter of the Constitution. A later case, uh, Eisented versus Baird, Bard, extended the right to to use birth control to unmarried couples. This prompted the infamous doctrine from Ju Justice William. Brennan, if the right to privacy means anything, it is a right of the individual married or single to be free from unwarranted governmental intrusion into matters so fundamentally affecting a person as a decision whether to bear or beget a child. This reasoning set the stage for the court to hand down Roe v. Wade in 1973 through which the right to privacy essentially turned into a right to abortion and was extended to a woman and her doctor and termination of the unborn was legalized. But Roe didn't end the conversation. In 1992, Roe was um, legislatively challenged by pro-life Democrat Bob Casey, causing Planned Parenthood to sue the state of Pennsylvania for its newly passed abortion restrictions. The high court's plurality decision created the legal perception that Roe is well-settled law. 
It also introduced the undue burden test as the new standard of review of the constitutionally of abortion restrictions under the test. The state is prohibited from placing substantial obstacles in the way of a woman seeking an abortion prior to the baby's attainment of viability. All right. The Supreme Court vacancy left by the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is renewing the possibility of overturning Roe v. Wade. President Trump is in place to decisively impact the U.S. abortion jurisprudence if he nominates a justice who both believes in the humanity of the unborn and knows that Roe v. Wade was, was a bad law worth overruling. Um, it's interesting because, wow, I mean, it, the, the fact that, that we've turned the law into a, a what you call activism, I don't really understand how that happened because I understand like if you read something, you have to read it exactly as it was written. But that's not it. That's not the way one side wants. One one side wants the wiggle room to interpret the law and they call it like evolving the law, updating the law, updating the constitution. And you know, you've seen this with, we've seen this with the Democrats. All right. Like for example, the mail-in ballot thing is a good example. How... Okay, when they're in power, they can interpret, they can they can interpret and 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 make restrictions, borrowing the opponent side from from making those rooms. But then when they're not in power, when the situation is is taken away from them, they then want to expand it and push the finishing line even further away, because they want to find the advantage to take into power. They're they're power hungry. It goes to show you that they that the law to them doesn't really matter as long as they're in power. And that's all it is. Now, the subject matter with abortion is, this was, I think, the whole interpretation of the law came out of uh, the whole cultural revolution of the 19, from 1960s to ni- 1967 to 1970 with the whole uh, Summer of Love, Woodstock interpretation, uh, where, you know, it's all subjective. I think it came, it came into that because of the, the, rev- the cultural revolution that people wanted, you know, free love, um, age of Aquarius, and, and basically the right to do what you want to do, that, you know, it's, it's their world, you know, we can, you know, we can decide what life is. I mean, that Justice Kennedy himself in one in um, Christine Niles, the way he interpreted it, that the individual can interpret and decide what life is according to their own subjectivity. And that really bothers me because we, you know, after coming out of World War II, after coming out of a genocidal world, didn't the Nazis decide for themselves what life is? That they can decide, or even the, the 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 communists in their own view, that they can torture and kill people, isn't it based on their own interpretation? What, who's to say that someone like um, a, a killer, a serial killer, doesn't don't they do the same thing? This is the thing that bothers me because it seems very subjective. I mean, I'm a layman. All I can say is it looks very subjective and very troublesome. This next one is also an article by Church Militant. The War to End Abortion. All right. By Rodney Palater. Um, It's January 22nd, early this year, 2020. 47 years of slaughter. Let's look at it. Today marks 47 years at the wholesale slaughter of unborn children has been legal in the United States. And after nearly 50 years, over 60 million people would have been born and could be alive today or are not here. The bloodstains of murdered unborn will forever stain this era of history. Abortion activists continue to claim 
abortion is safe. Abortion is health care and abortion is normal and that abortion enables women to pursue a future of their choice. Norma McCarvey, the woman who was listed as Jane Roe in 1973 Supreme Court case bearing her name, did not have an abortion and became a pro-life advocate. She converted to the Catholic faith and spent the rest of her days fighting abortion. Norma McCarvey. All right. Now, um, here's the thing. I didn't know this. I found this out through another book, um, a book of, by this uh, messianic uh, rabbi who, you know, he believes in Jesus, and uh, but he calls himself a messianic Jew. Um, it's interesting that a lot of people don't know this, but 50 years ago, upstate New York passed a law that gave women a right to have an abortion. Abortion was legalized in New York State in 1970. So that makes it 50 years of, of child sacrifice, of child murder. It went to the Supreme Court in 1973. Okay, a lot of people don't know about those two dates, about the first one they don't know about. The second one, 1973, if you're, uh, if you're into this history of abortion, then you know it, uh, about Roe versus Wade in 1973. So a lot of people don't know this. This is interesting. All right, let's continue. I deeply regret, uh, she said, this is um, Norma McCarvey, I deeply regret the damage my original case caused women. I want the Supreme Court to examine the evidence that have uh, a spirit of justice for women and children, she later reflected. Leftists claim taxpayer-funded abortion without any limits for any reason at all is the cure for climate change. I can't, I'm sorry, over population and poverty. See, this is, this is the part here that really, that also gets to me, is when now this whole thing with, with climate change and overpopulation, no one wants to admit this is eugenist. This is a eugenist thing. Unbelievable. Ohio priest, Father Ambrezo de Brazis, the de Brazis, offers a searing comment on Twitter, cutting to the heart of matter of saying abortion is as population control to combat climate change is literally pagan infant sacrifice. Thank you. Just with the veneer of science, the baby becomes a sacrificial offering so that we can have a good weather. It's proof that when Christianity fades, we go right back to demon worship. Thank you. Thank you. A recent post on Reddit also shows how women are coerced into abortion, often by their sexual partners and their own families. The post is tragic and, sh and shows how our culture needs to be reconverted, that we as a country have ultimately lost our faith in God's divine providence and have stopped living a moral life and came out worse for it. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. 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 All right, let me uh, see something here. Hold on. All right, this is from a church militant. Hello, and welcome to our all-new download, bringing you the latest in Catholic news and discussion. I'm Stephen Wynn, and we have here today Paul Morano and Brad Eli. In our new format, designed to handle the large amounts of news now surrounding the church, we begin the download each day with an overview of a few headlines. There's lots of news to get through today, including South Dakota trying to ban gender reassignment, a new effort highlighting the Democrats' love for abortion, and professors in Canada upset about a pro-life movie. Paul, what's that all about? Well, a recent bill in South Dakota is seeking to ban gender reassignment surgery. Representative Fred Deutsch introduced the bill to the Senate, uh, to the State House earlier this month, and he said on Twitter, quote, good parents and good legislators share the same instinct to protect children. If passed into law, the bill would make it a felony to transition a child 
by administering medical procedures such as puberty blockers and castration. A pro-life group plans to spend $52 million on canvassing in 2020 to get President Trump re-elected Trump re and keep pro-life senators in the Senate. The Susan B. Anthony List announced the ambitious project in a memo last week. The effort will appeal to voters in battleground states by highlighting the radical pro-abortion views of today's Democratic Party. And professors at a Catholic university are peeved off about the screening of a pro-life movie on campus. At King's University College in Ontario, more than 40 faculty members signed a petition expressing outrage that the campus, minist that campus ministry hosted a showing of a pro-life film unplanned. The professors insisted that the university's principal issue a formal apology calling the movie, quote, hostile to women. Now, gentlemen, this is a Catholic college who is demanding that the principal, I guess they have principals in, in uh, Canada for their colleges, to issue an apology for showing a pro-life film. Is there something here I'm missing? Well, I'd say hostile to women. If, uh, abortion itself is hostile to women because the unborn women in the womb Absolutely. are not getting very hostile. And unplanned illustrates that perfectly. You know, but I, before I saw it, I knew obviously that abortion was bad for women, but it was more head knowledge. Mm. After seeing that, what you see, you know, what, what, what the consequences are for women, both of surgical abortion and, you know, the so-called medical, the, 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 the abortion pill, it's devastating, and it really, it really hit me. It helped me get uh, a new appreciation for how bad it really well, is. Well, Mother Teresa uh, said in a famous line, "Abortion kills two people. Uh, there are two victims in every abortion: mm -hmm. the victim child and the, you know, the soul of the mother." Right. And, right. Uh, and women, women need to see themselves as being used as yes. pawns in a political mm -hmm. game by the left mm -hmm. to achieve their own uh, ends in this country. But the philosophical problem there is they want to be free to be used. That the freedom is more important today than what is good or evil. Yeah, well, that, there's a distinction between licentiousness and liberty. You know, you're free Absolutely. for the law, but not from the law, John Paul II talked about. But another outrage there, you just, mm. it just hit me. When South Dakota says, you know, that the parents and, and lawmakers are sharing the common instinct to protect children, when South Dakota was becoming a state, it was no brainer that you don't castrate your kids. It's child abuse. It's child yeah. abuse. Yeah. To say that, uh, you know, we can debate about this, they'd, they'd get the rope out and lynch you right there about even, I mean, yeah. that would just, it's just insane. Yeah, we you know, as a father of a child, I can't even imagine. We have entered an era of insanity. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is actually being taken seriously. I, countless uh, parents are buying into this now. That, uh, you know, abusing their child, whether they be male or female, has become uh, something that is optional. As long as the child, who happens to be below the age of reason, uh, identifies with another sex. But what you said right there, below the age of reason, you're not reasonable. You yeah. can't give that decision to someone who's not even reasonable. But you know what you said about the, it, it, as long as they're free to choose. What is the mantra of the pro-abortion left? is it's a woman's right to choose. I just have to have the freedom. Right. But they never finish the sentence, choose to murder my child, choose to castrate right. my child, choose to kill myself yeah. in, in suicide. Obviously, there are, there's a body of things that we should have a right to do, even if they're not particularly ethical or moral, but something so gravely unjust as to kill another human being, and of course, science makes that perfectly clear today. There is no excuse for not understanding that science tells us that human beings begin at the moment of their conception. Um, that is just obviously a grave injustice that government must step in to protect from. Well, you know, we're going to go back to it a thousand times, uh, and, it's, and it goes back to the contraception, mm. which is this, uh, you know, follow your conscience thing. I have to mm. be free to follow my conscience, even if that leads me to evil. And that goes back to the moral relativism of our age, which I have to be free to choose insanity. And it mm. goes back all the way 500 years back to Martin Luther, where he says we can all you know, private interpretation of the reality of what Christ came and did and taught in yeah. Scripture, I can have the right to choose. That. That's all just full-blown out there right now, relativism. And, and philosophically, it comes from, you know, the schools of thought from Locke and from Hobbes and others right around the time of modern philosophy that started de-emphasizing objective truth and objective good and evil and over-emphasizing a person's freedom 
of course, you have to have the proper balance in that. We are free, as John Paul II says, to choose the good. We are free to choose what we ought to choose because that is the only way to happiness, and that's what we're all seeking. Yes, yeah. I think I think all of this underscores the importance of November's election. Mm. Uh, uh, so I'm very happy to see that uh, the Susan B. Anthony list has launched this major initiative to to reelect Trump. This is going to be, you know, we, we heard this in 2016. Yeah. I, you know, this will be the most consequential election in U.S. history. I think it's even more true this no time question. around. And and the the person who wins the battleground states will be the next president of the United States. Yes. Well, yes. Iowa's yeah. coming. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, that's today's headlines recap. We're stepping away now for 10 seconds. So when we come back, the beginning of the end for Roe v. Wade. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Today is the 47th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And that means pro-lifers have been fighting against legalized abortion for over 50 years, slugging it out at the state levels, even before the Supreme Court allowed the slaughter of tens of millions of innocent unborn children. But with President Trump in the White House, we might be closer than ever to overturning Roe v. Wade. The way this could happen is that Trump has been remaking the federal judiciary, putting more conservative pro-life judges on the federal bench. With more on that, here's church militants Rodney Pelletier. The war against abortion is escalating, and 2020 could be the year the Supreme Court begins the overturn of Roe v. Wade. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. In 1973, nine Supreme Court justices discussed the fate of over 60 million future unborn children, condemning them to death. Two judges dissented from the majority opinion, Justices Byron White and William Rehnquist. White called it an extravagant exercise of judicial power, saying, quote, I find nothing in the language or history of the Constitution to support the court's judgment. The court simply fashions and announces a new constitutional right for pregnant women and, with scarcely any reason or authority for its action, invests that right with sufficient substance to override most existing state abortion statutes. Nearly 50 years later, President Donald Trump is recomposing federal courts with conservative pro-life judges, so far bringing the total number of lifetime judges appointed in his administration to 187. Every child born and unborn is a sacred gift from God. Since his election, states including Alabama, Kentucky, Mississippi, Ohio, and Georgia passed fetal heartbeat bills effectively banning abortion from six weeks. Although federal judges have overturned most of the laws, appeals are moving to lower federal courts and edging closer to the Supreme Court. Now, 207 members of the U.S. House and Senate are asking the High Court to review Roe v. Wade. Planned Parenthood and Democrat abortion activists seem to understand the gravity of the situation. But more importantly, so do pro-life advocates. Rodney Pelletier, Church Militant, Detroit. Now, tr President Trump has nominated almost 200 uh, judges to the federal bench. That's really uh, an astounding accomplishment. You know, he's, he's, he's achieved much more than his recent predecessors. Of course, his pro-life picks have faced massive opposition by Democratic lawmakers. Uh, you know, recall Amy Coney Barrett, who in 2018 was grilled by Senator Dianne Feinstein over her Catholic faith. Feinstein uh, said, the dogma lives loudly within you. We all remember that. Mm -hmm. And she uh, she underscored that uh, that fact, uh, her uh, faith, was a, really a, a, a cause for concern for, for the left. And why? Well, of course, Catholic orthodoxy really is the greatest single threat, I think, no to abortion, the abortion regime. Um, now, as an example of Trump's uh, impact, he has flipped the 2nd, the 3rd, and the 11th Circuit Courts to a conservative majority. Even more incredible, he's this close to flipping the 9th Circuit Courts to a conservative majority. That's almost unbelievable. Uh, the 9th Circuit is notoriously liberal. It 
that covers uh, a, a number of Western states that are almost all uh, governed by leftists. Um, in December, he appointed two more judges to the Ninth Circuit, bringing the total number of Republican appointees to 14 versus the Democrats 15. Uh, of course, the, uh, the I think the most significant uh, appointees uh, the, under the uh, the administration are the two Supreme Court justices that he that he uh, nom successfully nominated to the High Court, uh, Neil Gorsuch and Catholic Brett Kavanaugh. Um, so really, yeah, the the, the president's uh, his impact is, is is astounding. You know, these these pro-life judges are going to have a major impact for the next generation on the country, and that's a cause for great hope. You know, those judges that he appointed actually are would would not be want, would not want to be called pro-life judges and therefore they're going to rule in a pro-life manner. Right. They would be abhorrent to that notion. Right. We out, outside here would, would say, well, well the, what's the final outcome of their verdict? And if it's pro-life, then they're a pro-life judge. That's not what they're coming from whatsoever. They're trying to undo the judicial activism yes. that's been taking place since the 70s, since, uh, well, you talk about Griswold, the, yeah. the whole contraceptive mentality, yeah. and then uh, manufacturing rights out of broad, whole cloth yep. with regard to Roe v. Wade. Now, another interesting aspect that's developing here is the legislative branch is weighing in and becoming a, a force to be reckoned with. 207 members of Congress signed on to a friend of the court brief on January 2nd yes. saying, hey, uh, we, Supreme Court, we need to review and possibly overturn Roe v. Wade. Now, those 39 GOP senators, 168 uh, from the House who actually all signed on to that. And that's a, that's a large voice out there. That's not just, you know, some local group saying, hey, let's do this. That's a major member of federal uh, Congress actually weighing in, saying we need to do this, and they laid out all the you know undue. They also asked for Planned Parenthood versus Casey, 1992 ruling, yep. to actually be revisited and overturned as well, because everybody knows in the judicial world that that was not decided on the merits of the case according to judicial right. precedents, but actually according to stare decisis, they basically said, well, this is just the way we've had it since 73. We don't want to shake up people's right. uh, um, faith in the court, so let's just keep it that way. That was also where Catholic Justice Anthony Kennedy made that tremendously erroneous statement where it, it says it it's really sums up the secular progressive philosophy. It, mm -hmm. it depends. It, it, it falls to everyone who has the right to determine their own reality. Yes. End quote. That's a paraphrase. Yes. How can you come to that with as a judge? And I'll tell you what it is. They threw out natural law with contraception, yeah. Yeah. and therefore they start inventing natural law principles, mm -hmm. and that they're applying from the court it has nothing to do with law, just their own yeah. warped sense of philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, well, this, you know, abortion and Roe versus Wade, it obviously it violates natural law. It violates constitutional law. There is no right to abortion in the Constitution. Uh, so, you know, it violates modern science because science clearly, biological science clearly enables us to know that human beings, individual human beings, begin their existence and life at conception, albeit they depend on their mother for a few months. But, um, you know, where... Where did this all begin? Um, let's, let's just take a, a, a look for a couple minutes beneath the surface on how we got here. Um, this really is, what's going on today is really a post-Christian movement. Um, the religion of secular progressivism, it's really a religion if you think about it, and, and abortion its main sacraments. Um, no Western nation or society has accepted abortion without first accepting contraception. Now, that is a, an extremely important point. I think we have to understand that, uh, that contraception is the gateway to abortion. It doesn't prevent abortions. The left is saying the more contraception you have, the more abortions will be prevented. On the surface, of course, that's all they think on is the surface. That seems uh, logical, but in fact, it's the other way around. Every nation first accepted and popularized contraception before it, uh, it uh, accepted abortion. Our nation, in our nation, it was Griswold versus Connecticut on a legal level in 1965 that legalized contraception. A lot of young people today would say, what? What are you talking about? How's, how's that possible that it wasn't legal? It wasn't legal in the United States. 1965, the beginnings and the, are the pre-beginnings of the sexual revolution. Griswold versus Connecticut uh, was, was that uh, landmark decision. And then I think... Um, 
the Baird decision in 1972 legalized contraception for the unmarried. Uh, remember, this is when we were a Christian nation. The, the culture was, was, was more Christian than it is today. So what happened in 1965 after Griswold? A few years come, uh, later, a few states start uh, legalizing abortion. Then in 1973, only eight or seven or eight years later, abortion is legalized. Why, one might ask? Because it's very simple if you think about it. The pattern, contraception, the acceptance of contraception it, uh, creates a fornication culture, a premarital sex. We did not have a premarital sex culture in the Western world, including America, until contraception was first accepted because it enables people to have sex at, at will or at, uh, at their own pleasure. And the fornication culture, of course, gave rise to, or pardon the pun, gave birth to the abortion culture. Because now you have all of these unwanted pregnancies, you know, it's, it's considered now a mistake, not an incredible, uh, unspeakable gift, but a mistake. And what do you do with mistakes? You try to eradicate them. You try to fix them. So abortion became the great fix, or the big fix, for the contraception fornication culture that was established in the early 1970s. Um, when it comes to the church, the Lambeth Conference, which was the first crack in any Christian denomination of accepting contraception, came in 1930. All Christian denominations, not just Catholic, all Christian denominations throughout the world condemned contraception, the separation of love and life, of sex and procreation, as condemnable and a grave sin against God and against each other. That was a that was a, a, a just just uh, that was just known by every Christian denomination. Challenged by the Lambeth Conference in 1930, and from 1930 on, one Protestant denomination after another fell to the contraception um, uh, popularization. And this particularly happened uh, when the pill was invented in 1960. And this is why Humani Vitae, you know, Casti Canubi was, was written in response to the Lambeth Conference. Humani Vitae was written in response to the invention of the pill, because all of these people, including Catholics, started using the pill, thinking that this was going to be a great panacea for sex without consequences. Of course, it just happened uh, just the opposite. Now, speaking of the pill, you know, as the gateway and foundation for our culture of death, Chemical, chemical contraception also aborts, and more and more people are beginning to understand this now because the science has become clear in the past few years, that even the birth control pill is an abortifacient. Now, what does that mean? Well, these chemical pills, these pharmaceutical drugs that women take to contracept, that is their main function, to, to keep sperm from meeting egg uh, by uh, you know, keeping the woman from ovulating and in a particular month. However, that doesn't always occur. So when a conception does occur, the chemical compounds of the pill uh, make, the, make the uterine line of the woman hostile and impossible for the tiny human being who now is coming down from the fallopian tube to attach to, like they're naturally meant to, in order to grow for nine months and then become, you know, then, then be birthed. It makes it impossible. So that secondary mechanism, which many women are coming to understand makes pills, birth control pills, actually abortifacients. Now, I could give you numbers, and I, I have lots of them here, but I don't have time, so I'll just basically let you folks know that, uh, um, that you know, Dr. Bo Kuhar, look him up, from Pharmacists for Life, um, guesstimated the numbers doing his research and his estimated guess of the numbers of those tiny human beings killed from oral contraceptives, IUDs, Depo-Provera, Norplants, as well as surgical abortion, is around 10.5 million per year. Abortions are around, you know, 1 million per year. All of that's around 10.5 million per year. Um, American Life League says around 15 million per year. In the United States alone. The United States alone. These numbers are astronomical if you, if you add all of this in with surgical abortion, which is around 60, 65 million since 1973. 
Yeah, astounding. Uh, and, and the people that would allow that to go on just to stay in office, mm -hmm. you, you got to be criminally insane. So, you know, yeah. Chuck Schumer and all these people that are yammering in Congress. Yeah, they are insane, criminally insane. Well, it's everyone's obligation to do what they can in whatever sphere of influence they have to help promote a culture of life. The quickest and most surefire way to do that is to be holy. So be holy and change the world. All right, we're stepping away for a moment, just 10 seconds. When we come back, the latest from the left. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Again, in the all-new download, we're dedicating each weekday to a specific theme and highlighting a story that fits that theme. Today is Wednesday, and it's time for latest from the left. And what else is there to talk about other than the crazy lefty Democrats in the House preaching at the Republicans in the Senate? The overwhelming number of senators are Republican, and they can kill this impeachment sham whenever they want. Chuck Schumer, of course, knowing this, is saying Senate Republicans are rigging the process. He's up there with shifty Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, and others pontificating about justice in America, and corruption is bad, and that President Trump isn't above the law. Well, the funny thing is, these people embody the very things they're accusing Trump of, which started with Democrat Joe Biden. And if anyone's gaffed himself more than Joe Biden, I don't know who it was. I mean, who was the guy that misspelled potato and got thrown out? That you was, know, uh, Dan Quayle. Thank you, yeah, Dan Quayle. Yeah, yeah, I misspelled one word, and, and, and poor, uh, poor Biden doesn't even know if he's a senator or a Republican <laughs> right. or a House uh, Democrat. So anyway, it's, it's really amazing, the astoundingness of, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi and these people that are, you know, they're preaching and praying for people and all oh, this yeah. type of it's, stuff. It's, it's absolutely, it's, it's, a disgust, it's, it's disgusting political theater. Yeah. I mean, we have to tune into this and, and watch this because of our profession. But that, I, I, it's, it's penance. It's penance. It's just <laughs> nauseating for listening to these. these and not only that, it might set a precedent. So from now on, maybe every president will be impeached by the opposite, uh, you know, members of the House and the House because they don't like them. That's, I mean, right. as you folks know, the president has. They've been wanting to impeach him since the second he laid his hand on the Bible to take his oath. Well, you know, the whole thing is they got to stop him because he keeps putting those judges in there. And the yeah. judges mm -hmm. are the ones that have been destroying this country for the last, uh, you know, 50 years. Mm. We, we were reporting in 2014. All the states are saying, I, we don't want same-sex marriage. Mm -hmm. One after, like 38 states. And then one after the other, the judiciary branch comes in there and says, we want to go ahead and, and we're overrule this and overrule that because yeah. you have a right to same-sex marriage. Yeah, same the, right you have abortion, same right you have the contraception. The, tell me where in the Constitution that says everyone has a right to same-sex marriage. Well, it's really a misapplication yeah. of what you call a natural law, yeah. trying to come up with some uh, fun, foundational, fundamental well, I, principle I think it's the that penumbra, trumps. The penumbra of the liberty clause again, like uh, Senator Kennedy used to say about abortion. They, they create this penumbra, if you will, that something that comes forth from the fact that we have liberty. Well, what about the fact that we have life? Life, you can't pursue happiness without liberty, and you don't have liberty without life. Life is fundamental. It's the first right that any human being has. But I would say once you start throwing babies under the bus so that you can stay in office, you know, I, I'm personally opposed, but I'm going to throw them under the bus so I can get reelected. Reason ceases. Uh, morality yeah. ceases. Uh, mentality, your, your sanity ceases, really. Yes. So you're able to just talk yourself into any box. You're actually, well, I would said before, criminally insane, and you're actually able to, what it be, a pathological liar because you mm -hmm. just compartmentalize yeah. the truth and step in and out of these boxes whenever you want. And truth is whatever you want. I think another day or two ago here, we're talking about the problem is truth. Mm -hmm. Yesterday. Yeah. And, and yesterday, the yeah. truth is, is what's at stake here. And on all these fronts, you can just go ahead and, and, and change the truth yeah. to whatever you want it to be. Philosophically, yeah. truth always leads to life. It always leads to the sustenation and 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 and, and health of, of well-being, whereas lies lead to death. Mm -hmm. It's a biblical principle, but it's so true. Yes, that's that's right. Well, as we do each day in our new download format, here are more viewer comments. On our recent download on Trump and religious liberty, viewer Asanello said. The thought occurred to me that back in the days of JFK, it was the non-Catholics who worried about the Pope calling the shots in the White House. Today, it is the true Catholics who worry about it. Our second comment comes from Christine Chrisleep's article titled, St. Louis Trans Activists Failed to Shut Down Lecture. Regarding the leftist agenda, viewer Bloby wrote, 
good countermeasures should be developed, like Boy Scouts used to be, to help young men develop into strong, mature, and moral men. The left is seeking to make sure there are no helps or structures out there for young men that will let them develop into strong, mature, moral adults. Well, there are two thoughts that come to my head immediately as you're reading that. And number one is, for the past 30, 40 years, there has been a massive war on men. I know the left likes to twist things and say the exact opposite, that there's a war on women. And in a sense there is because contraception and abortion are abuse of women. But there has been a, a great war on men and masculinity. Everybody knows that in this country. All you have to do is uh, watch the sitcoms and how they portray how they portray men. Second thing I want to say is something that Boris said in his Vortex today, and that is we are in a dearth of meaning and purpose today. I mean, all of this occurs because we have lost sight of what it means to be a human being and what our purpose is in this life. Absolutely, yeah. What's like we go back to everyone has a dog in this fight. It's going to be your salvation. It's going to be the salvation of your loved ones. It's going to be the friends and co-workers and this type of thing. And, and even all the babies that don't have an op opportunity to ever live in this country, we all have to get into the fight. And we need to start by knowing what human life is about, what I'm called to do as a person. God has a plan for me, and that's to take part in this war on the yeah. war on life. Without an eternal perspective, nothing in this temporal world really makes all that much sense. But uh, remember, everybody gets access to the all-new download all the way through mid-February. And after that, our premium subscribers will have access. But don't worry. You can become a premium su subscriber if you are not one already. It's only $10 a month, and really a great deal for all the contents that you'll have access to. And there's even more coming out over the next few months, so don't miss out. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back uh, right here again tomorrow. See you then. God bless. All right. I wanted you to hear that because I thought it would be a great help to understand the debate between uh what's going on in the in the government and why this is very important. My own personal view is I think that uh, the abortion is also uh, the constant murder and killing of all these babies, just like what happened to ancient Israel would also happen here to our culture, to our modern day world. It's a serious, serious problem because we are preventing blocking souls from coming into the world. I know. I know to some people this is going to sound like a crazy nut talking, but I don't care because we have no right to stop souls from coming into the world. Anyway, um, I'm going to end it here and uh, we'll get back together again soon. God bless.